Hello, and, and welcome to another Bible study about the subject of our, our Lord's return. Last time we touched upon the fact that the evil one and all his lieutenants are going to be comprehensively routed by Jesus at and after the Battle of Armageddon. The devil and all his followers are in the lake of fire. But what about the humans, the humans who have directly or indirectly served them? The Bible tells us that there is to be a day of judgment, a final judgment for all mankind. Now, the three great monotheistic religions of the world, Judaism, Christianity and Islam, all believe in a final day of judgment. In the Old Testament, Abraham called God the judge of all the earth. Isaiah says the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. Solomon in Ecclesiastes said, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. This follows the final battle of Armageddon. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. John looks, and what does he see? He sees a great white throne. And who was on that throne? Well, Jesus was on that throne. In John chapter 5 is one of Jesus' most preposterous claims on this. true. He says, The Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And Peter agreed with this. When he was preaching to Sergeant Major Cornelius, he said, Jesus is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And Paul agreed with it. When he was preaching to philosophers in Athens, he said, God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man who, ha who he has appointed. He has given proof of this by raising him from the dead. And the Apostles' Creed summarises it. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. One day, Jesus will judge everyone. There will be no exceptions and no exemptions. John sees his throne and he sees everyone because the ground gave up its dead, the seas gave up its dead, and Hades, the place of the dead, gave up its dead also. And even angels were judged. In 2 Peter chapter 2 it says, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons, to be held for judgment. Every sentient, rational creature is to be judged by Jesus Christ. 
Hebrews chapter 9, people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Romans chapter 3, every mouth will be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Jesus said, I tell you that people will have to give an account in the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. So John sees a throne with Jesus upon it and then he sees everyone assembled there to be judged by Christ, everyone who has ever lived. And then he sees two books. The first book is a book of deeds. There's nothing God doesn't see. There's nothing God doesn't recall. There's nothing that God will not judge. He says in verse 12, the dead were judged according to what they had done. This book is a historical record of actions. Romans chapter 2, God will give to each person according to what he has done. Colossians chapter 3, anyone who's done wrong will be repaid for his wrong and there is no favoritism. Revelation chapter 20, each person was judged according to what he had done and there was, then was thrown into the lake of fire. There are no exceptions and no exemptions from this judgment. But there are degrees of judgment. John says here they were dealt with according to what they had done. Luke, in his gospel, records the parable of wise and a foolish manager. And at the end of this parable, Jesus says, the servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready, does not do what the master wants, will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And in another place, Jesus talked about the legalistic hypocrites who devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely, he said. In other words, the worst sinners will receive the heaviest punishments. Now Jesus used mixed metaphors to describe hell or Gehenna. He talked about the fire of God which never goes out. He talked about prison. He talked about destruction. He said, away from me, I never knew you. He speaks about the door being shut. No one likes teaching about this doctrine. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, God will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. Those two words, shut out, carry such power, don't they? The thought of being shut out from the presence of Jesus. Abraham said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? C.S. Lewis said, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. But there's a second book. And this second book is re referred to about six times in Revelation. 
It's the book of life or the Lamb's book of life or Jesus' register of all those who have put their faith in him. It's Jesus' list of all those who have trusted in the Lamb for salvation. All of those people are not thrown into the lake of fire. They're saved. They're reserved for heaven. But are believers going to be judged too? In Revelation chapter 14, sorry, in Romans chapter 14, verse 10, Paul says, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Each of us will give an account of himself or herself to God. He's writing to Christians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him or her, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. He's writing to Christians. And that word bad is the word that's usually translated as evil. For example, the love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, The Father judges each person's work impartially, so live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. He's writing to followers of Jesus. So the question, are believers going to be judged too? The answer is an unequivocal yes. Now how come? Aren't all our sins forgiven? So how can it be that we're going to be judged? After Romans chapter 5, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I remember speaking to a man towards the back of the church where I worship on Sundays. He was a man, divorced once, he was living with his second wife, but he was having an affair with a third woman, and he was looking forward to getting divorced from his second wife and living with his third wife. He had no problem with that. He said, I'm a believer. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I trust Jesus for my salvation. I'm in Christ, and therefore I can do this, no problem. It seems to me he confused condemnation with judgment. He confused condemnation with accountability. No, we're not to be condemned, but we are to be held accountable. There was a man in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 who Paul writes about. He had been having sex, a man in the church, a Christian man, he'd been having sex with his stepmother. And Paul is horrified. He says, even the Gentile pagans will be shocked at such behaviour. Hand this man over to Satan. In other words, excommunicate him so that his sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. In other words, this man must be disciplined. He must be dealt with. But nevertheless, he will be saved, but he is accountable for his behaviour. Let me give another example, which is not perfect and it's not true. I just one I've created out of my mind. But I want you to imagine that my grown-up son had a violent argument with my grown-up daughter and they fell to blows and my son beat up my daughter and broke her jaw. Now, my love for my son is unshakable. There's no way I can stop my son being my son. There's no way I can say you're no longer a member of this family. He's over 40. I can't punish him in any way. 
that one day he will have to come to my house and explain himself to me. He will have to be accountable and explain how and why he behaved in the way that he did. So what will happen to you and me as believers at the judgment seat? Well, firstly, your destination will not be decided, it will be announced. Jesus will look in his book, in the Lamb's book of life, and he'll find your name, and he'll say, you're in, you're saved, you're one of mine. Jesus said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. You've believed in me, you're not condemned. Enter in. The final judgment does not decide your destiny. The final judgment declares your destiny. But secondly, at the judgment, you as a believer will have to account for your behaviour since you were saved. Romans 14, each of us will give an account of himself or herself to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due while in the body, whether good or bad. 1 Peter chapter 1, the Father judges each person's work impartially. You and I will have to give an account for the good and the bad, for the right and the wrong, for the selfless and the selfish, for the obedient and for the disobedient. We will have to look Jesus in the eyes to explain our behaviour. But thirdly, you will receive a reward. Now we know we gain eternal life as a gift. Eternal life is by grace, through faith. But heaven itself will not be an egalitarian society. We will not all be equal when we are in the glory. Salvation is a gift, but rewards are earned. Salvation is not deserved, but rewards are deserved. Salvation is by grace, but rewards are by works. Now, just as we saw earlier that the worst sinners will get the worst punishments, some believers will have greater rewards than others. In other words, all the passports are identical, faith in Jesus, but the mansions will vary in their opulence. And the great thing about heaven is that when you see a friend of yours or a relative of yours or somebody else, perhaps in a nicer mansion, I'm speaking metaphorically, of course, in a nicer mansion than yours with a, a, a greater reward than yours, you won't be jealous, you won't be envious. All sin and selfishness and self-concern will be gone. There'll be no envy. You'll recognise that the judge of all the earth does right and you will be absolutely at peace and content with the rewards that you and your friends receive. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, 
costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Paul, in this passage, compares our works to us building the kingdom of God. And he says the fire will one day test the quality of our work. And if the building survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss. Although the builder himself, herself, will be saved. In other words, our works are going to be tested. Our behaviour is going to be assessed. Didn't Jesus say, when you give to the needy, and nobody knows how much you've given, and when you pray in secret, and no one knows how much you pray, and when you fast, and you don't show off about your fasting, didn't Jesus say, your father who sees in secret will reward you? Didn't he say, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? Didn't he tell a parable about three people who received three bags of gold? We know it as the parable of the talents. One man received five bags, another two bags, another one bag. And then when they came back to report, the man who received five bags of gold had turned it into ten. And the man who received two bags of gold had turned them into four. And the master said to those men, well done, good and faithful servant. I will put you in charge of many things. There's a similar parable in Luke's Gospel. It's the parable of the minas. A mina was about three months' wages. The parable is a little different. This time, ten servants are given one mina each. And they're told to go away and invest their money. The three months' wages. And they come back with various levels of success. One man makes ten minas from one. Another man makes five minas from one. And the master says to them, well done, my, my good servants. You've been trustworthy in a small matter. Take charge of ten cities. Set ten cities. Your mean has earned five more. You take charge of five cities. You see, these parables suggest that in heaven, in the final state, we will be rewarded for how we have built, how we have worked for the kingdom of Christ. There will be differential rewards for our behaviour, for our works. We will be judged for what we have done. Not only that, we will be judged for our motives. Not only why we, what we have done, but why we did it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of people's hearts. At that time, each will receive praise from God. The great American statesman, Daniel Webster, was asked, what's the most sobering thought that has ever entered your mind? And he replied, my personal accountability to God. One day, Christian, you will be resurrected. 
One day, Christian, you will stand before Jesus Christ on his judgment seat. One day, Christian, you will account to Jesus for how you have lived and built his kingdom, what you've done, good or bad, and you will be rewarded for your works. That's why it says in 2 John verse 8, Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Christian, your salvation is rock-solid secure. You have been ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like thee his praise should sing? But equally, you are accountable to God for your works. You will have to answer to Jesus for your behaviour. You will have to look Jesus in the eye and answer for your faithfulness and your fruitfulness. So I must ask you, are you being faithful? Are you being faithful in the use of your gifts? Are you faithful in your opportunities? Are you faithful with your money and with your time? Are you being faithful in your marriage? Are you faithful to your church? Are you faithful in prayer? Are you faithful in sharing the gospel? Are you faithful in, in caring for the poor? Are you faithful at work? Does your employer regard you as the most reliable of the employees? Are you faithful with your church responsibilities? Are you faithful with your secular responsibilities? Are you faithful in your words? Can Jesus trust you? Can Jesus rely upon you? What about the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Are you a loving person? Are you a joyful person? Are you a peaceful Christian? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you good? Are you faithful? Are you gentle? Are you self-controlled? In other words, are you like Jesus? Is the fruit of the Holy Spirit growing in you? Then look forward to the judgment day. Look forward to seeing Jesus on his throne. Look forward to the day when you will hear those words from him. Well done, good and faithful servant. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Let me remind you of the verse from the old hymn, Rock of Ages. While I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyelids close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne. Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Amen. May the Lord bless you.